Hello, creeps. I'll be your ghost. I mean host. As we delve the crypts of spooky movies and even spookier theory. Welcome to Horror Vanguard. Yeah, do you wanna do you wanna lead us lead us into uh today's today's excursion uh, around some of the most beautiful parts of the British Isles? We're we're gonna have a lot of fun today. Um England is a land of history. Uh and today we are are there's a new king. There's a new king, listeners. Um if you've you've been checked out of British politics, uh the the small island kingdom elected a new god emperor. Elected, wrong word. I'm too American to talk about uh, monarchies. Um, <laughs> however, however, today we're talking about something special. We're talking about, wait for it, The Boy Who Walked Alone, the biography of the new misunderstood king. It's going to be <laughs> an experience. It's going to be an experience. No, no, listeners, we are not talking about the boy who walked alone. Um, I, I've suffered massive psychic damage enough seeing the trailer for that thing. Uh, today, we'll be talking about two pieces uh, of, of British cinema, a tour de force of a land of intrigue and art and romance. Uh, we are talking about Straw Dogs and Eden Lake. Uh, normal, just... Just very normal. Britain is such a normal country. It's not a festering mass of virulent psychic conservatism and latent fascism. It's fine. Everything's fine. Perfectly normal. Perfectly normal. Normal. It's very normal. <laughs> so, so in this in this excursion through uh, another a another psychic cinematic excursion into all of the reasons why Britain is a deeply normal place. Um, Ash, would you mind explaining um, what Sam Peckinpah's 1971 film Straw Dogs and 2008's Eden Lake are about? There is a vigilante in your head. A Karen, a community watch warden, a volunteer cop. No matter who you are listening, somewhere inside of you is a little voice that says, I fucking wish they would. Things would be different if it was me. Who speaks when this voice is heard? Much has been theorized about the speaker of our internalized police state. But I'd like to put forth that a considerable aspect of the power behind this voice is our own alienation. This is the ideological apparatus of control baked into all vigilante fantasies. The impulse to meet each other with violence instead of compassion. Infinite power and the only outcome is an infantile wish to harm those we have been made to fear. We don't have a way to help each other. There are only scattered and broken efforts to house the homeless, feed the hungry, clothe the naked. When one lacks material means to assist those in need, they quickly turn to scapegoats. Our individual culpability is sublimated to, I'd love to help them, but I hear it's dangerous in that neighborhood. Eden Lake is still a critically acclaimed movie with all of the award and fanfare a film could desire, and it makes Salo look like Winnie the Pooh. Eden Lake is a TikTok video telling you to call the police if you see a shopping cart next to your car. It's a Fox News broadcast saying black Americans are about to invade your suburb. Eden Lake is the tinder that stokes the flame of fascism. And that's how tinder works. It's not a single twig that sparks a forest fire. It's a pile of debris withered by alienation's drought. Utah Phillips has this great story that he used to tell. I will retell it here. He was sitting in a union hall, chatting with other union members with the news playing in the background. A news broadcast about immigration coming up from Mexico, from the South into the United States came on. A union man gets up and starts talking about illegal immigrants crossing the border to steal our jobs. Utah got mad at first, but then he asked himself, where did he learn that? And why didn't he learn something better? Well, he had been hearing this all of his life. He heard it from the news, from teachers, from the law, politicians, preachers, 
Just about every person distributed through the hierarchy of this person's life was there to reinforce the core ideas of race hatred. Utah's ultimate realization was that even the union wasn't teaching anti-racism. We had all failed. So it's up to us to teach something better. Working class people turning on each other, hurting each other, is a deeply real phenomenon. The boss class has successfully divided us with race hatred, gendered hatred, hatred based on who we love, hatred based on the bodies God gave us. We've never been this divided, never this soaked through and through with fear. So here we are, afraid, alone, and separated. The cause of the working class is the cause of healthcare for trans people, the end of racism, abolition, disability justice, and so much more. We have more than a world to win. We have a world to fall back in love with. Dear listeners, things have never been this scary. But love is nothing if it is not a tenacious thing. We can find love again. We just need the strength to come back to the world. Our world. Join us as we discuss Straw Dogs and Eden Lake. What are you doing here? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Let us, let us, let us venture forth, my friend. Let us venture forth. Um, let us begin, as as we always must, in the formalism zone. Zone, zone, zone. British music, go here. The formalism zone. I'm kidding. I say that all the time and I never actually go back and put the drops in. So so listeners just enjoy me always going British music goes here. Sound, sound of pageantry goes here. A, a voice clip from the Queen uh, done by AI saying Horror Vanguard is the best podcast she's ever heard goes here. Etc. 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 You so get the forth, idea. And so forth. <laughs> and so forth. Um, where should we begin? Where should we start? Well, I, I think so much of these two movies are kind of bound up in their aesthetic choices, or at least both of the thoughts that we had about these movies are inexorably linked to cinematic aesthetics. So I feel like we should probably start there. Yeah. Um. And like, so Straw Dogs is directed by um. Sam Peckinpah, who is probably best known as a director of westerns, um, mm-hmm. and there's what's interesting about Straw Dogs is it's it's kind of a mess. It's kind of a mess this movie, but it has a distinct kind of aesthetic of escalation, um, and like the final twenty five minutes or so is basically like a western style standoff. And I'm interested to see what do you think about the way that movie depicts and presents violence versus how Eden Lake does it. So this this I think is an extremely interesting and important place to have this discussion because Sam Peckinpah is one of the like quote unquote great Western filmmakers. Like the the sensibility of a particular style a particularly stylized type of violence is is readily apparent in this one. Like you take out you take out all the people with with British accents, and and this movie just becomes any given Western, right? A couple tweaks to the setting, and you've got your you've got your homestead farmhouse, you know, you've got you've got your like good good man moving in, but like you know he's he's got his violent past that he's working to to escape the orbit of, you know, you've got you've got the gang the 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 gang of cattle rustlers who move in on a town and commit too many wrongs and must be brought to justice. It's it's your typical American Western, and it's got all of the, like... You, because the history of Westerns and kind of the history of a lot of Japanese cinema and a lot of samurai cinema are, are bound to each other. So there's, there is there is a certain sense of uh, theater and pageantry to the Western, right? These are all archetype characters that we see in a play before us, if you will. There's something very cinematic about it. Eden Lake... And I think Eden Lake does this very intentionally, depicts violence through the lens of proto-fascist anxiety. The, the violence in there isn't as theatrical. It isn't as choreographed. It's much more... It, one of the things that Eden Lake does, and we're going to talk about this a lot, <laughs> you're going to have to stop me, is that every five seconds during Eden Lake, you hear a broadcast, uh, which which is just some British newscaster doing phrenology on British teens from 2008, talking about why they're predisposed to criminality and how liberals failed parenting 
Uh, what, what are, yeah. what are your uh, similarities yeah, because here? Because of because of broken homes, local area youths <laughs> are now exhibiting the cranial shape of the common criminal. My word! It's, it's literally, it's literally that. It's literally just that. And 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 so much of Eden Lake, like the thing, you know, like because Straw Dogs has a lot of misogynistic content, like a lot of westerns do, right? But like because it is so open about its generic convention. It's really easy to kind of be like, oh, this is doing a lot of the stuff that Westerns did to women, right? This is this is how the film is becoming misogynistic. You know, like, it's much more apparent. But I think with Straw Dogs, it's sublimated. Every, everything, everything is sublimated down one layer. It gets this plausible deniability by feeling so real. And indeed, like, a lot of the critics, like, Eden Lake is critically appraised. Like, people loved that movie. Critics loved that film. And one of the things they loved was was the violence, was the danger, was the crime. People talk about that movie like it's a crime thriller. Yeah, yeah. And like, uh, yeah, it, go, go on, go on, go on. Well, I guess what's interesting is that like both of these, both of these are films which are, um, as, as we might call it, that they they are the western as a, as a genre, and I think lots of Peck and Pass films are trying to deal with a certain vision of masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I, I, this is gonna sound weird. This is gonna sound weird. Um, but I was watching Straw Dogs and I was like, Jordan Peterson would unironically fucking love this film. Oh, right. Am I am I wrong? <laughs> yeah, no. Like, like that is that is one hundred percent his kind of movie. <laughs> if if he watches Cause, like, movies, because it's, it's his mo- the model of masculinity is basically like. Uh, you are you're probably like this slightly nebbish bookish type who's intimidated by by working class uh, laboring types until you decide to quite literally uh, defend you you know there's at one point Hoffman says Dustin Hoffman's character says I will have no violence within these walls because this is my house yes mm-hmm. uh, and it's like so that's you violence then becomes a kind of rite of passage into a sort of like authentic masculinity quote-unquote um and it's deeply regressive it's it like the film is like wildly misogynistic um but in eden lake there is no kind of there's no there's even there's no even not even an attempt to um to kind of talk about like violence as having any sort of utility it doesn't make you into anything because its antagonist is already so kind of, de- you know, in the fr- in the nineteenth century criminological sense of the word, degenerated, that you can't you can't get anything from it. You know, it ends with it ends with uh, Brett staring at himself in the mirror. Right, nothing's changed. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything is only kind of intensified. So there's something so- kind of like super. There's something not only is not only is it deeply viciously reactionary. Uh, it's also incredibly bleak in its model of the of of like what does society look like in i think another important aesthetic difference is that in sam peckinpah's film uh we've got like oh my god my brain for a second just so i think another important aesthetic difference that we have is that in straw dogs right we have dustin hoffman who's an adult going up against the the you know rural adjacent working class of somewhere dot cornwall you know like he's he's up against other adults you know like there there's a clear class striation happening here but he is his enemy is our our adult men uh in eden lake our our hyper masculine hero must uh, we try and use his gallantries to fight off a bunch of fucking 12 year olds like and sure okay some of them are like 15 or whatever but like children you know like the the enemy is literally the, the kids like the film the film is like po- positing a wor- a worldview of like the like quote unquote broken britain that is so like untractably bleak like that the only answer is this like bizarre proto-fascistic accelerationist violence yeah it's it's wildly unpleasant um and it's like it, it what's what's worth picking up on is like who who 
are our kind of point of view characters. Because weirdly, there's some kind of commonalities here, which is like uh, in Straw Dogs, it's the kind of intellectual laborer. So let's, yeah, let's 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 pick this apart. Let's talk about how both of these films d- construct both the class position of the quote unquote bad guy and the class position of uh, Dustin Hoffman's David Sumner in Straw Dogs. And, and then we have Michael Fassbender's Steve, Steve Taylor. Taylor. Uh, yeah, and then we have Fassbender's Steve Taylor, who spends his time uh, critiquing the parenting of uh, the parents of like local young people. Um, and let's let, let's let's like put a, put a pin in both of these guys really quickly because we've got we've got Sumner right. Who one like I I love Hoffman as an actor. Like he he could just he he really commits to his roles. Like he brings so much life and character to them. And and so like we've got Sumner who is some kind of academic. He's doing some kind of like astro astronomy thing. He, something with math and the stars is is what he's writing some kind of book. Which which again, an academic getting paid to write a book? I my I, my suspension of disbelief broke right there. Maybe maybe in the retro Wild West days of England that was permissible, but certainly not today. Mm-hmm. But like, so his character is, you know, like, so this is, this is a formula we're working with here. This is falling down. This is death wish. This is a ton of Westerns, right? It's the good, it's the narrative of the good, humble man who got pushed too far, which is a very conveniently often fascistic narrative. And I think there's so much to contrast about these two, but one of the things I want to highlight is that Sumner's character is doing things and has reasons to be so maybe timid mm-hmm. is the right word. Maybe overly humble, maybe shy and afraid of, of stirring up violence. You know, like he, he's got motivation to be the way he is. In addition to what we see as a clearly signaled class difference, right? You know, he, he's some kind of successful academic author, scientist, inventor, right? He's, he's getting paid enough money to write a book about math and the stars that he can afford to buy and refurbish an old home. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. He's he's not hurting, and he's got enough money to also hire like all of the drunks from the local town to fix his building. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, whereas whereas Steve Taylor is has a partner who's a nursery school teacher, but is basically just like an irritating Daily Mail reading busybody. Do we know what his job is? Do do we learn through Eden Lake what he does? He's, Steve Taylor, because I don't recall. Uh, I mean, he's essentially he's essentially like a daily the the archetypal Daily Mail reader. <laughs> <laughs> like, like does it like his his he exists solely as this personification of a sort of like you know uh, internal cop uh, of like the yeah. psychic the psychic police officer of the British cultural imagination made flesh. <laughs> and I think there's another like important distinction between Fassbender and Hoffman that I think is really important. And that's Hoffman. Hoffman has, he's not jacked. He's not shredded. He's Dustin Hoffman, you know, an attractive guy. Sure. But just kind of an average dude. And then you've got Fassbender who was carved out of marble. And we've get plenty of shots in this movie of Fassbender soaking wet, taking off his shirt like, and I think that's important for how we're constructing masculinities in, in these movies, right? Like, we, we have this drift towards this hyper-masculinity, right? It's no longer this kind of Western Western story about the everyman beset by a dangerous world. It's now this kind of, like, competent, strong, assertive, Adonis-adjacent figure who... who it's it's the fast, fascist mythology 101. It's, it's a perfected Aryan body being mm-hmm. attacked by this ultimately degenerate foe. Yeah, this almost like semi kind of bestial lower classes. They're they're literally so so like uh and, and again, this is part of the aesthetics of how we're constructing this this interclass conflict is that like Sumner's first encounter with the kind of you know like drunk working class ruffians of of Cornwall is he he goes he goes into a pub to buy some cigarettes. And, you know, like the, 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 you know, he witnesses a pub brawl. The guys are kind of rude to him. 
you know like he doesn't really fit in the culture is weird he's also kind of a shy guy so it's not really the environment do you, do you want to know my do you want to know my favorite moment it's when, oh hit me hit me it's, it's when he walks into the pub um and he asks for a double whiskey with ice and everyone in the pub just like uh oh, what a loser <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And, and then, then like, so it's so like, that's his first encounter with them. They meet as people in the world, right? Like, like, like people that could be real. And then we have <laughs> yeah. the first encounter between the, 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 the quote unquote hoodies, right? The teenagers from Eden Lake and Fassbender's character, Taylor. And, and literally what, it, what, what is the thing that is our first encounter with them is that they have this fucking borderline rabid dog that keeps almost attacking his girlfriend. Like they're immediately coded as being animalistic. They're they are on the level of a rabid dog. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so let's let's really quickly. Uh, so we've talked about kind of our our male protagonists and how the films construct them, but they both have girlfriends. Uh, uh, David Sumner has Amy Sumner, I guess his wife. Uh, not one leveled up from girlfriend. Way to go, way to go, Dave. Uh, doing doing good for an academic who writes about algebra. And then we have uh, Steve Taylor's girlfriend, uh, played by uh, Kelly Riley, Jenny Greengrass. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's kind of start with Straw Dogs, because Straw Dogs is Straw Dogs is is again wildly misogynistic. Um it's uh was and is relatively controversial. Um there's uh like there's there's kind of prominent um, sexual assault in it against against Amy, um, and the way that that's framed, and the way that she is framed, and in fact the way that like multiple women in this film are framed are as a kind of like willing victim because of their like uh, that they are hypersexualized, and it's, yeah. so it's so this is it's 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 deeply unpleasant to watch it's 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 pure cinematic victim blaming um and it's also shows that there's this kind of like weird sexual neurosis running through this film of of like out of control female sexuality as being oh, something that absolutely. is like punished the kind of one of the core ideas behind straw dogs is that uh, sumner can't control his home he can't defend his home he can't keep his home in line it's this very nearly blood and soil fascistic argumentation and that extends there's a really telling scene that i think is important for how the film constructs femininity on screen right and there's a scene where uh, amy and david are having a conversation and amy's going up to take a shower and then she she takes off her sweater, so she's topless. Uh, and then uh, David is like, "Oh, close the curtains because the roofers are doing construction." And she doesn't, right? And so we get this scene where she kind of topless is staring at the construction workers. They're staring back at her. And like one, like that that exists to create plausible deniability for her coming sexual assault in the film, right? Like like that exists to like, oh well, okay, now there's a reason why she she was raped by one of the construction workers. So there's incredibly misogynistic. And then on top of that, she's an extension of the house, right? Like, like by mediating her existence through the blinds of the home, it one shutters her inside of the home, right? Which is the, the fascistic placement of women and generally. And two, the, the, like what, what ultimately pushes Sumner over the edge, what ultimately makes him, you know, pick up the gun and fight back. It's not, the rape of his wife it's not the murder of the cat it's not any of this much more significant stuff it's that they won't leave his fucking house yeah you know property it's It's property uh and like it's 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 like that's that's always the thing in in you know it's the old mythology of an englishman's home is his castle and it's like this idea that everyone you know there's this sort of this reactionary notion of actually the country is not where you go to get a more authentic community. The country mm-hmm. is where you go to and you have to defend yourself, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's inher- it's like deeply reactionary. Um and you're completely right. It's 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 100% about the preservation of property and prestige. 
that instrumentalizes Amy, right? She becomes just simply a, the, the an object. Oh yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. It is it is the the classic lampshade problem with with how the movie depicts and handles her character and like. But I, I will I will say like I think I mean like I don't know the, these conversations are often not my favorite to have because I don't like tallying the sins of a given movie, but I think Straw Dogs handles it's it's leading lady much better than Eden Lake does. Yeah, the despite, end, the ending of Eden Lake is fucking awful. Yeah, despite the Eden, Eden Lake gives her plenty of pseudo agency and makes her do things, but in in a way that is even more self-serving to this proto-fascistic patriarchal argumentation. At least at least Amy Sumner felt things and was was a part of the story yeah and and the film seemed seemed at least somewhat interested in her kind of internal life right it was deeply sim- i mean the straw dogs is very sympathetic to her and and through through the whole like uh, up into the sexual assault the film is very much on her side as like okay like yeah why isn't this woman's lazy husband getting stuff done yeah, why yeah. does he just want to do math uh, but like Eden Lake is is just like it's 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 honestly a hateful film, deeply. So I I have I have a question for you. What does it mean to make reactionary cinema? Well, I mean, here's the thing. In a way, both of these are kind of both. Well, I think one of them is a kind of right wing movie. I think one of them is a like genuinely reactionary movie. Yeah. Um, uh, I think the Western is often the Western or or the kind of vigilante thriller is often coded as like right wing cinema, um, mm-hmm. and there's some there are some really good examples of it. I think this is one of the probably one of the better examples of it. I don't think it's it's not like outstanding. There, are, it, but I think what separates it is that it has it's like it has artistic idiosyncrasies to it which come from the director and writer, whereas Eden Lake is basically like. A Daily Mail moral panic ramped up to eleven, and mm-hmm. then like literalized. Like there is oh, no, yeah. there's no, there's no kind of nuance. There's no sort of creative. It's it is mechanical. It's grim. It's like grindingly obvious in its violence. Like I think that I don't know. I I feel like that's a starting distinction. Well, I, I think you're completely correct, right? Because uh, Straw Dogs is a Western set in at the time contemporary England with very right-leaning sensibilities about the world and how the world should operate and important issues of the day right but it's a western you know like we we can we can work with that a little bit more i think as film critics whereas eden lake there is no meaningful distinction between eden lake and like a crime scene recreation clip. The only distinction is that Eden Lake has an outsized budget. Yeah. You know, like like the the only difference between like a conservative news clip about like like oh, did you these these school children are up to gang violence. Here's a recreation of a drug deal. Like that that is functionally identical to what Eden Lake is. It is almost not even a movie. Like the interest, the interest of Eden Lake is not in the film itself, right? The interest yeah. in it is that it's probably one of the most high-profile examples of an extremely, uh, like reactionary, proto-fascistic, like slice of cinema history in British pop culture. Uh, which is there was this spate between probably like two thousand seven to two thousand ten. There was this spate of um, what gets called "quote unquote" broken Britain horror movies. Yeah. Uh, there's Harry Brown, which has, um, Michael Caine as a kind of pensioner going out to shoot young people that have made his estate unsafe. There's, um, 10 Cherry Tree Lane, which is like a really grim home invasion movie. There's, there's loads of them. There's loads of them. And they, all of them circle around this idea of like, particularly working class youth being, Mm -hmm like psychotic or dangerous or hyper violent and the only answer the only possible solution is to like enact violence upon them as retribution preemptive retribution even mm-hmm. oh this has first strike mentality 
Like, like the, Eden Lake is is the argument for tactical first strikes against literally children. Yeah, exactly. I do. I do want to kind of close out our formal formal discussion section on Eden Lake, comparing it with a movie that came out one year beforehand that deals with a lot of very similar subject matter. And this is a very serious film, Simon Pegg's Hot Fuzz. <laughs> yes. So uh, I'm a big fan of Simon Pegg's comedies. I, I think they hit. They do generally well. I do like Hot Fuzz a lot. And Hot, Hot Fuzz is a buddy cop movie, right? It is copaganda. It is loaded. It is laden, rather, with all of the political problems and minefields uh, owing to such movies. It is more sensibly left-leaning than Eden Lake, despite being not not even like factoring in the copaganda elements. Like so so if you haven't seen Hot Fuzz, uh there are like quote unquote hoodies in the movies. And and c- could you explain to our dominantly American audience what a hoodie is? So this was this was a way of right like referring to uh okay, so to, in 2008 the global economy basically tanks. Um, mm-hmm. In Britain, the answer to this is to intro- introduce genuinely colossal spending cuts uh, from from the from the central government, which affects almost every single layer of like the British social infrastructure. One of the biggest things that just vanished overnight was any kind of provision for kind of youth services in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what that meant is like local youth centers or kind of places that kids could kind of congregate and socialize outside of the home disappeared. What this led to is lots of kids hanging out together outside. And because Britain is very cold, uh, the big fashion trend was for hoodies. Um, And Mm -hmm. obviously this is caught up by the tabloids who'd start referring to gangs of hoodies. Uh, And there is the famous scene in Hot Fuzz where one of them spots someone on CCTV and goes, you know, you can't have them here loitering sitting and it's (laughs) and it turns out obviously that the older people in the village later kill them all and it's like yeah that's eden like what if what if you were right to be terrified of young people sitting uh sitting in public and one of the things that like really exemplifies the kind of like rightward turn in british kind of british not even politics but just like the british mindset is this inherent insistent a privatization and policing of space just Mm -hmm. being in public is often frowned upon and it's actually you'll actively be like harassed by the police especially if you happen to be young and not white uh especially if you happen to be homeless um hostile architecture is bound up in this huge amounts of like surveillance particularly of young people is bound up in this but Eden Lake is like, oh, none of that's a joke. This is what you should, this, you know, you, you're right. You're right to be afraid of them because they are all um, barely human psychotics. And and this is, I think, the, the distinction I wanted to, like, draw out of this is that through, through the course of Hot Fuzz, Simon Pegg's character learns that the quote unquote hoodies are no, they're literally just children, you know, doing pranks and causing havoc because they have nothing better to do. Is their children, and then by the end of the movie realizes that oh, it's the it's it's the local government, it's the town like like the proverbial town fathers. They're actually part of the psychotic death worshiping cult. He he is materially aligns himself with the hoodies to defeat the actual problem, which is mismanaged central government. Whereas Eden Lake, Eden no Eden Lake stick. You're absolutely right. It sticks to that narrative. It sticks to those mythologies. And the fact that these movies come out within a year of each other is just incredibly damning of so much beyond the scope of just the the you know screenwriter of Eden Lake. Uh I think a good I think a good spot to um to to finish our formalism zone. And before we go any further, if you would like to continue to support our sociological and cinematic explorations of why Britain is so deeply normal. Um, you can do so through horrorvanguard.com or through patreon.com slash horrorvanguard where you get a whole bunch of uh, bonus episodes every month. You get uh, early access. You get a host of other goodies and you get access to the HV Discord. Um, And yeah, your support really does make an enormous difference and actually helps us slog through 
uh, films like Eden Lake to try and find something worth saying about them. <laughs> it is much harder than you think. <laughs> um, we talked we talked about this a little bit, but do you want to, as we kind of move into our discourse zone, should we talk a little bit about the using these films as kind of modes of historicism? Yes, yes, I think that this is this is super important. So you you are our resident normal island expert. Uh, where where would you like to kick off this discussion? Um, you know what? I think we I think we kind of have to talk about we have to talk about um, Britain in two thousand eight because yeah I I think it's it's difficult to kind of articulate to places that maybe have a more dr- like for our American friends it's maybe difficult to kind of articulate the ex- the rightward shift in Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, because British politics tends to be more managerial and less focused on specific personalities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but 2008 uh, was a kind of benchmark for the slow imposition of capitalist realism in Britain. Um, and Eden Lake particularly is very is a kind of grim uh, literalizing of the political imagination that br- that kind of really accelerated this notion of that there is no alternative. Um, uh, you know, the last decade or so has seen a massive increase in poverty in the UK, uh, has seen a massive sustained attack on working class class consciousness and organisation of unions and the slow stripping away of any job that has kind of secure employment um like if you want a really grim example you can look up like the 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 stats on food banks in this country you know where in the early 2000s there were probably like three or four and now there are tens of thousands there are tens upon tens upon tens of thousands and it's because um a decade of conservative austerity has produced a country that can no longer afford to feed itself because it's prioritized low wage insecure work it's systematically criminalized youth uh, it's systematically destroyed any sense of kind of like intercommunity solidarity. Um, so, like in a way, Eden Lake is is very accurate. It is very accurate to show you the kind of like genuinely the genuine psychic stew that, that produced contemporary British politics. Brutal. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think this. I think this is is. Very important to kind of focus on because that does connect to the tonal shift between these two movies, and it's and, and that's I think really important to look at because this is this is a self sustained genre. This is Death Wish. This is Falling Down. There are so many movies that fit this mold, both in and out of the Western genre, and just the level of cruelty that we get from Straw Dogs, which is a bleak and kind of gritty film, to just the, like, open contempt that Eden Lake posits is is staggering. Well, like, I mean, what's interesting about Straw Dogs is that in some ways it's a very weird movie. It's very mm-hmm. weird. Um, it There's a lot of, like, little moments of, like, uh, you know, rural versus the slightly more urbane, bookish American. There's this great detail detail that a lot of these kind of like working class Cornish day laborers sort of think that Dustin Hoffman's character must have loads of experience with guns because he's American. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, oh, which no. is, I I got that a lot when I was living in England. I literally had someone who had a PhD. Ask me if if I had a difficult time bringing my guns over, and they asked me that in total sincerity. I I, I guess what yeah what what do you what do you think what do you, <laughs> as the as the resident American of the podcast oh yes what do you think about that the way the film kind of portrays this Anglo American interaction? Yes, yes, I am. I am cursed to straddle both normal countries, very normal places to be bound <laughs> to. Um, <clears throat> so I find this to be really interesting, right? Because the gun thing, of course, uh, you know, like even before school shootings happened every day, 
like America is the land of guns. Guns are just part of our national identity, part of our national mythologies. And like there, there's a huge distinction. There are not a lot of guns in the UK and they are very hard to get over there. Whereas in the United States, you can trip over one on your morning jog. Um, like, although like I should point out that like statistically speaking, uh, gun distribution in America follows like the wealth distribution. There, there's like a minority of Americans that are private owners of firearms. Um, so just you note there, just probably that's owing to the expense of firearms generally. Uh, but sidebar, um, like I, I find I find that contrast to be in, really interesting, especially because this is fucking Sam Peckinpah, you know, like n- someone who is not unfamiliar with writing about men using guns to kill each other and then spe- <laughs> to put it mildly <clears throat> I, I i feel like this is almost like a challenge run of cinema pre- presented for himself like okay what how could i make a western in a place that generally it doesn't doesn't do the gun thing you know how can we how can we do that here and of course like rural rural england there's still like plenty of hunting and stuff like that so the guns can be reintroduced but the way firearms are approached like we, we we get that scene where i think it's like the local the local constabulary uh the major to, the major, the major. <laughs> he's, he's attempting to disarm the leader of our drunken mob and he just like walks up and grabs the gun and gets shot and and i, I thought that was kind of a interesting cultural twist the kind of like casual attitude towards firearms being presented in this film uh and then I, I don't know, like there were so many like little, little moments, like the the British drinking culture colliding with the expectations of American drinking culture, mm-hmm. like those like like in England, seeing seeing people absolutely fucking plastered at like one in the afternoon crawling on a sidewalk is normal. Uh, much much less so here, and there's there's a collision of that in the film. Like it's it's weird to see Peck and Paw recreating this and then contrasting that with Eden Lake, which I feel is like a much more internal to normal Island film. What, 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 what are some, some interesting your thoughts here? No, I think, I think that's a good point. And I think I, I, we have to talk about David Cameron. We have, we have to talk about David Cameron for a minute. So Cameron becomes prime yes. minister of the UK in 2010. He is, um, <clears throat> In 2008, he's been leader of the Conservative Party for three years, right? At the time, before Cameron, the Conservative Party was seen as... uh, Their nickname was like the Nasty Party. They had a very kind of toxic image, um, rightly deserved. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Cameron, Cameron has this idea of like kinder conservatism, right? He, He posits himself initially as a kind of social reformer. Um, and he gets kind of mocked for there's a there's this kind of like famous moment where he, he talks about uh, you got a hu- you've got to um, yeah you got to hu- hug a, a hoodie right you got to hug, mm-hmm. hug them you got to like and you've got to like bring the and it's like all of that was a lie all of it was a lie because it's like Eden Lake is what these people actually thought think about poor people mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, and it's it's bound up it's bound up absolutely in. Um, the kind of virulent classism that runs through British conservatism, it runs it and the and the kind of libidinal anxiety of well of historically like the proletariat right the, of the poor as being this kind of dangerous force. All of those kind of nineteenth century style radio broadcasts that you hear in the film, it's like that's all mm-hmm. part of it. This idea that. Um, you know, uh, there were too many. There were too many uh, chavs and poor people having too many children, having too many children on this on while they're on yeah. state benefits and they're not educated and they're and it's all of this kind of virulent, uh, again like deep seated libidinal anxieties about the working classes. Um, Owen Jones talks about Eden Lake a lot in his uh, book Chavs: The Demonization of the Working yeah. Class, and for a period in the early two thousands, there was this like really like blatant strain of uh kind of a vicious hatred towards a certain kind of working class existence oh absolutely and i I think this is another point of like contrast we can draw with straw dogs and i think a lot of that is just down to peck and paw in the western genre 
Mm. Like a, a lot of Western stories are, are heavily interwoven with working class identities and aesthetics. You know, it's working cattle ranchers, it's impoverished miners, it's all of our all of our stock Western characters are working people. Most of them, right? They're, they're, they're always like the ranch owners and who often wind up being some kind of villain and the cops who often wind up being some kind of villain. And like we, we kind of see notes of that in Peckinpah's movie, like even though the working class people of Cornwall are the, the kind of the riotous mob of the bad guy of the movie, like there's a lot of sympathy for them in the film, or at least a lot of space for a lot of sympathy. And at the same time, like there is a lot of the, the, the film is kind of openly distasteful of Sumner at, at certain points. Um, I think a lot of that owes to his kind of like, like that is how you would depict a kind of like, it's the it's the TikTok meme. You got soft hands, brother. Like my my hands look like this, so her hands look like that. Like those are the memes being reproduced in Straw Dogs, and I, and I think that you know, like, is incorrect, is patriarchal, is dissolving the working class down to aesthetics, but it gives us a, a point of leverage into the film, and that is something that is absent from Eden Lake. Yeah, uh, like I say, like. In many ways, it'd be very easy to dismiss Straw Dogs. Like it's 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 full of rape apology, or it's deeply misogynistic. It's um, it kind of fetishizes violence as this like this idea of like male identity being bound up with it. Um, but it there are so many things about it which are kind of weirdly interesting, um, and it 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 now sort of feels like a historical artifact. Um, and I, 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 I sort of joked that like Eden Lake is what Daily Mail readers kind of think is just true. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't. It's hardly even a joke, though. No, yeah, that's hardly a joke. Like this is this is. In retrospect, if you look at like the last ten years of what conservative politics has done to Britain, uh, and has done to particularly poor and working class people in Britain, like it's. The thing about it is the cruelty of its rep- representation. Um, there was this, uh, around the same time, actually, there was a documentary show called, a uh, television show called Benefit Street, which was this horribly exploitative um, documentary about a street in, I think it's in Birmingham, where a huge number of the people on the street were out of work and had been for a very long time and were getting by on like uh, social benefits. Um, and it, th- these people were kind of held up as like a, a sort of like modern day freak show for people to gawk at. Um, and it's like, it's so, it's so depressing that at a moment where of like genuine colossal instability in the, in capitalist systems in 2008 of all years, what we got was we got this moral panicking about the psychotic poor young people who are coming to steal your phone and then murder you with barbed wire. It's like, fuck this movie. <laughs> so there's a there's a, there's a quick point of an interesting like uh, I don't know. So there, there's an Irish uh, folk singer uh, named Lisa O'Neill uh, who has this great song called "Rock the Machine," and the the music video of the song I, I think is a great point of contrast for um, Eden Lake specifically, right? But and like you were talking about Benefit Street, just brought this to my mind, and that's like the 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 whole song is about the kind of like industry and machinations of a dock town falling apart mm-hmm. and where that leaves the dock workers right because there's no there's no right to first refusal there's there's no social safety net if your company dissolves the CEOs are going to make money the investors are going to make money shareholders are going to make money but all of the people that actually made the company work they're left for dead and so you have this contrast where we have these kind of varying levels of proximity and sympathy to the like very right and very correct like plight of the working class. And by the time we get to the Eden Lake side of things, like it is just it is just literally conservative AM talk radio propaganda. Like there is no difference between like Eden Lake and listening to like a two hour AM radio conservative broadcast about the like inner city hordes coming for your suburban SUV estate. 
Yeah, and, and and like I say, I think the reason that it's worth talking about these two films, and I imagine like some people might wonder why we're bothering, but it's like we've always said that horror is not intrinsically like leftist. It's not intrinsically progressive. Um, and it's actually important to pay attention to the moments when horror, which as a as a kind of cultural mode is about um, representing the things, the cultural anxieties of a given moment. What are the moments when those cultural anxieties do turn reactionary, when they do turn kind of proto-fascistic, when they do turn violent and 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 kind of repressive and conservative? Like when that is bubbling away, that tells us something kind of really important about the broader social and historical context of that moment, right? So like it's worth engaging with this kind of films, not because not because I I I, I think I think Straw Dogs is like a, a, a better movie. I think it's still deeply, oh, yeah. deeply kind of troubling in lots of important ways, but it's oh, a much yeah. better movie than Eden Lake. But it's like it's worth paying attention to these things because otherwise they become the kind of normal ba- kind of level at which we go. Oh, this is what horror is supposed to do, right? It's it's very easy for. Um, Horror is a powerful kind of motivating force, I guess. Right? It plays upon um, these this in, this internalized libidinal economy. And if anything, like watching these two films made me think quite a lot about um, uh, Deleuze and Guattari's uh, anti Oedipus. So in the mm-hmm. forward, uh, Foucault describes anti Oedipus as a guide to anti fascist living. And it's like, well, the, the point is not necessarily just to just to battle the fascist in the street, but it's to combat your in, your internal authoritarian, right? Just as you mm-hmm. were pointing out in the pricey, right? This idea that actually, no, this is this is that there is a truth to this. That this is not this is something more substantial than just like an a, a, a phantasmic project, projection of like ideological neurosis. Um, and it trickled out very quickly in British horror in. You know, because at the same time, I think it's so important you talked about Hot Fuzz. At the same time, there was this kind of like slightly, uh, you know, ironic understanding that none of that really made any sense at all. Yeah. And I, and I think that's why that's why criticism on films like this, which are deeply controversial, probably not for everybody, deeply reactionary in their politics. It's well worth doing this, right? Oh, a- absolutely. 100%. I un- unflinchingly agree with that. Um, and I think, you know, one day, one day we will do the, the full length episode of my take that most zombie cinema is proto-fascistic, mm-hmm. but we'll get, we're getting there. We're coming, we're coming for you walking dead. You can't shamble away fast enough. Um, but I think you're, you're so ab- absolutely right. Like Eden Lake is a very, very troubling movie to say the least um and i think one one of the things i really wanted to touch on as we start to wrap this up just really quickly is the kind of like the link between the kind of cultural iconography of of hoodies conceptually and race and racism in the uk and i Mm. think that that is especially race and racism in a broader context right because critics ate eden lake up Critics loved Eden Lake. They they praised it for its bold uh, uh, violence. As a, some critics even talked about it as a crime thriller, right? Like so, a, a huge portion of critics that watched that movie perceived it well, or at the very least had such a shallow understanding of the politics of the world in which they were conducting their criticism that all they could see in this movie was a spooky story, and they couldn't see the immediate real world implications. And I think like race and racism is another good thing to kind of draw out of this, right? Because the majority of our like quote unquote hoodies in Eden Lake are white, but the iconography of the hoodie is an article of clothing itself, especially for Americans who are going to be watching Eden Lake is is inexplicably bound to, to issues of race and racism and how this movie, how Eden Lake just kind of wishes those thoughts away for a second so you can have a spooky story of what it would be like to have some teens play loud music in a park yeah and it's uh i i actually i actually just want to read a paragraph from peter bradshaw 
who is uh, a movie critic for the uh, ostensibly liberal newspaper, The Guardian. Oh, no. Um, can I, b- Before you read that, can I just say, every time we have ever, either in personal conversation or here on the show, quoted a film critic from The Guardian, I, I have had to roll a psychic damage saving throw. Brace yourself. <laughs> oh, Jesus, hit me. <laughs> Writer-director James Watkins once worked on the reasonable horror thrillers Gone and My Little Eye, and this, Eden Lake, comes courtesy of the production team that brought us the recent much-admired, but in my view slightly overrated, British horror The Descent. Uh, nonsense. Ah! Nonsense. The Descent is is phenomenal. Eden, Eden Lake puts all of them in the shade. There are inevitable oh. folk memories of deliverance here, but also ah! hints of Sam Peckinpah's Straw Dogs, and perhaps even Dennis Potter's Blue Remembered Hills. And in its final act, as the face of anguished heroine Kelly Riley becomes a wraith mask of blood, mud, and despair, she starts looking like something from a very English apocalypse now. (laughs) I... I'm not editing any of the silence. That is how I'm going to start talking again because I just received massive psychic damage from that. <laughs> oh, called Oh god, calling this apocalypse now. Yeah, calling, calling this oh. calling this a British apocalypse now. Later in the re- review Bradshaw says it's got nothing to do with class, um which is just hilarious. Uh he even compares it to um A Clockwork Orange. But it's like there is no another movie not about class. Yeah, good job. Yeah, guy. No, not about class. No wider social conditions. No, nothing more general than yeah. You know, films don't mean anything, do they? Films don't have, and it's like the thing. The thing that kind of like you you end up running into is just just this sense of closure, right? It becomes when critics are praising the film, it becomes impossible to actually talk about how it connects to the wider social and historical moment that british culture and society was going through they're just they're just fucking toddlers laughing and clapping at dangling keys mm-hmm. like n- none of none of these guardian film critics have the intellectual strength to lift a fucking paperweight i and that scene like let's let's fucking talk about her climbing out of the mud let's 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 get into the mud ourselves because that <laughs> Because because the analogy to apocalypse now is incorrect. That that is the kind of analogy that a baby would make. Yes. No. Yeah, no. Yeah. Babies babies wouldn't even make that analogy. Babies are pure and full of light and joy. They're busy giggling. Like 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 that is that is the take that a a, a perverse soul full of evil and poison would make. Like <laughs> like like the hand of fucking darkness wrote that. That is just oh. It, anyway, anyway, anyway. Let's let's. Okay, so we we get we do get the scene where she's emerging from the mud, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and she, she's she's covered in this grease and this dirt. And the immediate fucking analogy there, guy from the Guardian. I hope I hope you're <laughs> alive and you can listen to this because I want this to hurt you because you are so bad at film criticism that you went to Apocalypse Now rather than I spit on your grave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which absolutely. is the clear and immediate parallel for what's going on there, like. That 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 is so nearly referential to 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 the shape of I spit on your grave to to its general construction in nature, like Eden Lake is I spit on your grave if it was made by like any given conservative MP, like which again brings up Carol Clover, which which evokes one of the sacred texts of horror vanguard. Uh, men, women, and chainsaws, like like, and one of the reasons why we still haven't done an episode on "I Spit on Your Grave" is just because, like, I really firmly believe that, like, I don't have anything to add that Carol Clover didn't already put down. Yeah, totally. And like, we we see this playing out in in Eden Lake, but like, so in "I Spit on Your Grave," Carol Clover's analysis, which we talked about a lot in the show, but maybe this is the first time you're encountering it. Um, you know, "I Spit on Your Grave," infamous rape revenge film, practically invents the genre. It's still to this day, supremely controversial. Um, there are there are uh, very compelling analyses of that film on both in support of it as a piece of artwork and against it. Uh, Carol Clover, to to kind of sum down her writing on the film, 
was was that not only do we have this very complicated rape revenge story, but it's also a revenge of the rural against the urban core, right? The exploited uh, uh, rurality taking their revenge against ex- the exploitive capital forces from the city. And that work that 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 analogy that reading works perfectly in I Spit on Your Grave. That works there. That is part of what that film is about. But when you carry that over to Eden Lake, the mapping falls apart because this is a revenge of the city against its exploited rural components. Mm-hmm. This this is the the rich, upwardly mobile, like young professional city people taking revenge against the the borderline hills have eyes teenagers. Yeah, absolutely. And this God, the, that made me mad. Fuck the, the idea Guardian. of comparing it to Apocalypse Now is just this is just. But but again, this is exactly oh. this is this is exactly why it's worth paying attention to these moments when like possibility seems to contract. Right, Eden Lake is the horror film of there being no alternative. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It's the it's it is it is the horror film of there. There is no chance of doing anything differently. Society only exists so that some people will win and some people will lose, and we will make them lose in the most painful, undignified, and terrifying way possible. Straw dogs, uh, the motivations are so much more complex. Um, they're not necessarily yes. they're not necessarily good, but at least there are motivations, right? Absolutely. Um, uh, the antagonists have a, a clear, clear wants and desires and needs uh but there is the suggestion that actually there is still something worth defending it's done in this kind of again reactionary regressive and conservative mode but like it's still there um but in eden lake there's there's nothing right there's nothing worth clinging on to anymore one one hundred percent. Eden Eden Lake crushes and flattens any kind of conversation it could have, mm-hmm. it, in order to achieve this flat conservative ontology. Straw Dogs is one hundred percent a right leaning film. It is positing some very conservative understandings of the world, but in order to posit those understandings, it must first present us with a conflict. Mm-hmm. And by giving us at the very least a conflict, it opens the door for alternative interpretations, reading against the text working with it in ways that Eden Lake by its very structure forbids. Any, any final thoughts, any final thoughts on like how we deal with this kind of like more, these right wing horror fantasies that this, the, the moments at which um, horrors, anxieties seem to like be turning against one another. Um, What do you think? Well, I think like, how how aesthetics is utilized in Eden Lake to craft fear, I think is incredibly important. And Straw Dogs doesn't do this, at least not to the same glaring degree. Uh, the the aesthetics of, you know, like the, the quote-unquote chav, the quote-unquote hoodie, right? The working class British child, mm-hmm. like, is specifically utilized to trigger fear, right? Like, Straw Dogs, if Straw Dogs is doing it, that way it's it's so far it's from the 70s right it's it's five decades old you know like i'm so far removed from the historical context i'm having trouble reading those things yeah but like it is it is glaringly obvious right like you know like they're they're dressed like hoodies right like they're they're listening to kind of like this proto grime at the beach they're like they're they're doing all of these clearly coded things how they talk how they act how they maneuver through the world their general attitudes and sensibilities, right? The fact that the movie treats them... The most American thing that that fucking... Uh, Sam Peckinpah made a fucking Western in Cornwall, and it's less American than trying a 14-year-old as if they were, if they were an adult. Like... <laughs> that is... This is just what Eden Lake is up to as a film, and it's, it's so abysmal. But I think from a left perspective, for reading these texts and handling them, just... just one of the ways that I like I like approach class in cinema is to because cinema is all about aesthetics, right? Like it's it's literally just a fancy moving image. It's a it's it's just a parlor trick, you know. There's only aesthetics on the screen. There are material things behind those aesthetics that scaffold them, but like how the films handle that is so important. And like, God, Eden Lake is 
Eden Lake is a scary movie because that is legitimately how conservatives see the working poor. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Any any final takes? No, I think that's I think that's a really good place to to wrap things up. Um, I like like I think it's interesting. I think it's important for us to find films which don't necessarily lend themselves easily to to thinking about them from the left. Um, and and I think hope like hopefully we've 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 you know maybe not inspired people to go out and check out these movies, but like shown that like everything is useful. Everything if if we are if we want to be kind of like try and find the useful content in everything we have to be willing to dive through the muck oh absolutely 100 percent. oh well listeners thank you for joining us uh i don't know meet me meet, meet us at the horror vanguard cornish estate where where we will we will listen to Cornish bagpipes. We will trap shoot. We will uh, build a roof. We will not put ice in our whiskey. Thank you very much. Um, I don't know. Uh, in, insert insert a few more. I don't know any Cornish stereotypes outside of what that movie presented me. So insert a few more of those here. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed the Dread Discourse. Until next week, stay spooky.